Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning. I got a little taller since I last spoke. If you want to open your Bibles to Second Chronicles, chapter 26, and uh, we'll be continuing our, our series, Following the Kings, which uh, if you've been following this series, it's a huge gap in between them. And that's okay. Today, I wanted to talk about uh, preventing pride from accessing your heart. And I have only one slide, and I just want to let you know the pride that I'm not talking about is that kind of pride. But isn't that cool? That looks like like a movie scene. You know what I mean? Anyway, I liked it. Obviously, you didn't. It is cool, right? I mean, they look like they're doing a movie. Like, lions. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Preventing pride from accessing your heart. And uh, I, I wanted to, I wish I could say that my middle name was um, Pi, because that would make my first name Humble. <laughs> humble Pi, okay. Uh, but it's not. Uh, I've I realized, probably like most of us here, hopefully, is that I do struggle uh, with issues of pride. For instance, I'm very proud about the way I drive. Uh, I know sometimes you might think I drive like a grandpa, but I'm a very aggressive driver. I think, Kelly, you saw me that one time and you're like, are pastors supposed to drive like that? (laughs) Well, probably not. (laughs) But it's hard not to. Uh, I'm one of those drivers um, who tries to read the minds of other drivers. So in your rear view mirror, you see that guy coming up and he's doing 80 on the highway. And uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can I accelerate just slow enough to make it look like I'm not about to stick him and cut him off and slow him down by catching up to the other car. Does anyone else do that? Am I the only one? Come on, I know some of you do that because you're looking and you're figuring out, I'm going to get him. Oh, man, I'm going to get him. And then you just kind of keep looking ahead. That's pride. (laughs) Dangerous pride. You know, it's, it's not good. Please, I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm just telling you it's an issue of pride. How many of you like to have debates on Facebook? Another area of pride. Sometimes I find myself on Facebook just wanting to argue, just to argue. And uh, my wife has mentioned it a couple times. My daughter has said, I'm embarrassed. Why do you have to respond? Just let it go. There's a part of me that's proud that wants to say, I can argue with you. And uh, sometimes there's no real goal other than just to argue. It's an area of pride. I think one of my biggest areas of pride uh, deals with God. I struggle with the way God does things. And like I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, my thinking on this is that sometimes I think that I know better than God on what should actually happen. It should be this way, not this way. Now, I'm telling you that not to encourage that in you. I think there's a part of us that does question what God does. But the reality is that God actually knows better. But in my pride, I just want to let him know I'm making a statement here that I think I know better than you, and I don't. 
So I struggle with pride. And I want to look at today one of the kings, King Uzziah, and uh, how pride worked itself out in his life, how it accessed his heart. And I want to get us to a place where we can prevent pride as much as possible from actually accessing our hearts. Because once it gets in there, it's really hard to uproot. And let me give you a quick definition of what I think pride is in a, a spiritual sense or a biblical sense. Pride is a life lived independent of God and his help. Pride is a life lived independent of God and his help. <clears throat> I'm going to look at a Uzziah and I'm going to read the first 16 verses, but here's my first point for today. And it's pretty simple. Remember the past. Remember the past. And we'll see how that fits together in all of this. Verse 1, 2 Chronicles 26. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Eleth and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Now, I'm just going to stop here for a minute, park really quick. Uzziah is the third book or the third chapter in a family trilogy. And the family trilogy goes like this. His grandfather, Joash, and his father, Amaziah, started out as good kings. And so, like them, as it says here, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So his grandfather and his father, as written in scripture, start out really good. They did what was right in God's eyes. But we're going to see all three of them hit a huge, huge speed bump. Verse 5, going on. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Now, here's a couple things to understand about Uzziah. His name actually means Yahweh. Yahweh is my strength. He's my help, which is a good start, right? I mean, it's, it's got that beginning. Uh, his dad, Amaziah, is looking at him. And I would imagine it's during a time where he says, you know what? God is my strength. God is my help. God is, is, is giving us success. He's giving us prosperity. That's what I'm going to name my son. Good start. Way to go. As he grows up, the cool thing is he has a counselor whose name is Zechariah. And Zechariah instructs him in the fear of the Lord. And what happens? As long, as it says here in verse 5, as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God gave him success. Basically, What's going on here is that anything that he did ended up being good, ended up being very successful. The idea here is that he sought or he frequented or he lived a lifestyle that spent a lot of time focused on God. That, okay, I am weak. I am in need of God. I need his help. I need his strength. I'm going to focus on that. Now, you're getting an idea where this is leading because it says, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Well, let's see how successful he was. He would be the kind of guy, I think, today in the United States over the past few decades that we would want as president because he does well domestically. 
and he does really well internationally or in foreign policy. Look how it goes. He went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod, which mean absolutely nothing to us, but they're important cities to the Philistines. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbaal and against the Meunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he became very powerful. How did he become very powerful? He sought the Lord. His focus was on God. And as long as his focus was on God, he was successful. So when he went to war, he won. That's what it means by being successful. So if he were president today, if he took on a terrorist cell or a terrorist group, we'll say an Al-Qaeda, he would be successful. He would be finding them. He would be getting them and doing whatever it is. We're not going to get into the politics of all that, but he would be successful in the war on terror. He'd be winning because he's seeking God. He's focused on him. But it goes on. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall. And he fortified them. He built towers in the desert and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working in his fields and vineyards, in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Domestic policy. Everything is going well. He's rebuilding infrastructure. Uh, the economy is growing. There's great success. He's got a lot of money. He's putting jobs. You know, if the unemployment was 10%, this guy's making jobs. Now it's down to 3% or 2%, but things are really going well. Why? Because as it says in verse 5, he was seeking the Lord. And so domestic or foreign, absolute success. But he wasn't one of those guys who was just resting in the present. Goes on. Uzziah had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by Jael, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. And here's the visionary part about him, okay? So he sets up an army, and he says, this is how we're going to do it. We're not just going to be one good old mass mob, but I'm going to develop leadership. So here this guy is training leaders, and he's successful in that because the people that he's picking are turning around, and then they're developing a well-oiled machine as an army. Still thinking ahead, what does he do? He provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows, and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skillful men for use on the towers and on the corner defenses to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. The idea of greatly helped is that God has surrounded him with a wall of blessing. So if you can imagine, like you're walking down the corridor today, if you were standing there by the children's thing, it was a little cold. And the reason it's cold is because once you open up the door and the cold air comes in, you're in this little hallway. It's like a gun. It just, it just, boom, you're freezing until you move off to the side. Well, Uzziah is kind of like in that corridor of God's blessing. He keeps seeking God and he can hit off the wall and bounce off the wall. But whatever it is, no matter what he does, as long as he's still seeking God, he's successful. He's surrounded. He can't be anything but successful. But the scary part is, it says at the end here at verse 15, for he was greatly helped by God 
until he became powerful. But Josiah, after he became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord as God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He didn't learn from his past. He didn't remember his past because his grandfather was an awesome king. Joash was a mighty warrior doing all of the right things. Everything was good until what? Until he became proud. He lost it. Whole bunch of things went wrong. And in the end, he was assassinated. His father started out seeking the Lord. Everything was good until his dad got proud. Won a big victory against the Edomites. And then instead of trusting God, he trusted himself, took on other gods, was kicked out, and ultimately assassinated. You would think after seeing his grandfather and his father start out well but not finished so well that he would have said, wait a minute, something's going on here. Good start, pride, really bad start. Good start, pride, really bad start. You would think he would say, good start, I should pay attention so that I don't run into trouble so that I can keep reigning as king and not have to worry about someone coming and slitting my throat. It's kind of like politicians, right? Again, I'm not trying to lose our tax-exempt stuff, but think about it. How many politicians do we know who sit there and think, I can be corrupt because I'm so smart. I'm going to get away with it. And then they get caught. We can think of two of our last governors in Illinois, right? I don't think they got into office and said, I can't wait for the day until I get caught so I can spend 14 years in jail in Colorado. What an awesome experience that will be. No one says that. Because we seem to forget the past. And Uzziah in his pride has forgotten the past. I don't know what he was thinking. I honestly don't. I'm wondering if he's thinking, you know what? I am different. I am wiser. I can do this. You see, because up until this point, he's been seeking God. And he's been surrounded by this wall of blessing so that everything he does bears good fruit for him and for his nation. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Why not stay on that path? Why not stay seeking God? But he decides for some odd reason that in the midst of all this and becoming very powerful, and here is the, bl- the curse of being blessed. The curse of being blessed. He became proud. I think he started to go, I'm pretty good. Yeah, 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 God helped me. But I'm pretty good. I'm so good, you know what? I'm going to go down to the temple and I'm going to take the job of the priests and I'm going to offer incense. Because you know what? God is with me, man. Look around. God is doing everything for me. And you know what? I'm just so good. I think I I should be a part of the worship. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to offer incense, which is something God took very seriously, which we'll see later on. But it is his pride that grabbed a hold of him, thinking that he might have been different. And boom, we're going to see that he's not different at all. He didn't learn from his past. How many of you have made a mistake in the past that you regret? Right? Just about out of every one of us, right? I, you, I, if we had the high school students here, they're in their own service. You're wondering, why is the youth pastor here? Shouldn't <laughs> be over there? That's okay. It's my mistake. But if, if they were here, I'd be telling them, listen, 
Do not be like Uzziah. You think you know, but trust me, your parents, through experience, know. Remember our past as you go forward. Learn from our mistakes. Whose mistakes would you like to learn from? Yours or somebody else's? I'll be honest with you. I'd rather learn from somebody else's. Why go through the pain? Somebody says, well, you know, the only way you can learn is if you go through the pain. But why experience the pain if you don't have to? That's like saying, you know what? I've never been in a car accident, so I'm going to be in a car accident just to know what it's like in a car accident. Wouldn't it be wise enough to think, you know what? I've seen car accidents. I'm going to drive better. I'm going to be less aggressive. I'm going to be less filled with pride. How many of us have heard experiences of road rage, right? And sometimes I'm actually in my pride scared because I did something that I know the other guy knows that I did, realizing what happens if they go off on me. Why didn't I learn? Because I think I'm different. God is with me, man. I'm going to get into a road rage incident. He's going to protect me or something. No. How many of us as singles will say, yeah, I'm struggling. I want to date somebody. And then we keep dating the wrong person. Should have learned the last time, right? But no, because there's something that says, you know, this time is different. This guy, this girl, they're different. I'm different. I've grown. I'm more mature. And then later on, same place, same thing. Why don't we learn from our past? I'm not really sure why Uzziah doesn't really understand what's going on here. Maybe he really thought he was different. But the truth is, he could have been. He could have been different. And the circumstances were different. But God's not different. So God's going to deal with his pride because here's this guy whose name means the Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and my help. And I'm going to be humble and depend on him and and accept his help. But instead, what does he do? He becomes proud and says, you know what, God? I don't need your help. And I wonder if he got to a place where he said, you know what, God, you need me. So I'm going to go down there and I'm going to show these people how to worship you. And that's where his trouble is going to happen. Because as it says in verse 16, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Thought he was somebody special. Now, I wish I could say, man, what a bad guy. But let's be honest, I'm in the same boat. Maybe not in the same way, not in the same manner, but in a lot of ways. Because I forget my past. I forget the things that make me regret how I've done things in the past. So my question is this. Are you learning from your past and continuing to grow? Because here was this problem. He didn't learn from his past. He stopped growing. He took matters into his own hand, filled with pride, said, God, I don't need you and I don't need your help. You need me. Watch me work. And that's when we get into trouble. We can avoid a lot of problems if we learn from our past as well as the past of others. That takes humility, doesn't it? To actually say, you know what? I really don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm doing. Help me out. But that leads us to our second point, which is found in the next few verses. Develop strong relationships. So if we want to prevent pride from gaining access to our hearts, we have to develop strong relationships. Verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord as God, 
and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted him and said, It's not right for you, Isaiah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord. Or in other words, favored. King was, excuse me. Verse 19. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Here's what I want to say. Let's go back to his past. His grandfather, Joash, had an accountability partner. His accountability partner was Zechariah, another Zechariah, a different one. And the cool thing was this. When Joash listened to Zechariah, he was fruitful, successful, surrounded by God's blessing. All right. When he died, his son stepped in his place. And one day Joash said, I'm going to do things my own way. And uh, Zedekiah's son said, hey, you can't do that. It's going to be a problem. Please, king, don't do that. So how does Joash repay Zechariah's kindness? He kills his son. It's a great repayment, right? Hey, your dad was good to me. And when I listened to your dad, I became fruitful. And I don't like what you're saying, so off with your head. Wonderful repayment program. Well, God is so good that he sends other prophets and says, Hey, Joash, stop going down this path. If you continue on this path, your pride is going to lead to your destruction. Joash had accountability partners. And you know what he said to those accountability partners? You don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Have you been successful? Have you looked at this place since I moved in? This place is successful and prosperous. Don't tell me what God's saying. He had accountability partners. Did he listen to them? No, not at all. And he paid for it because at the end of his life, he's running away before they slit his throat. Doesn't stop there. Amaziah, the same thing. An unnamed prophet says, Oh, king, do not do this. This is bad for you. What does he say? He says, I don't care what you say. Look at the success. Look at this place. My dad started to leave it as a mess. I came in, cleaned things up. We're moving forward. We just had a great military victory. And now you're telling me I can't go with God's help and take care of these guys? And the prophet said, correct, because God's not in it. And his response was, what do you mean God's not in it? I'm successful. God's got to be in it. He's my right hand. He's my co-pilot. See, the problem is, you know, he should be in the seat. He should be flying the plane, not the co-pilot. As soon as God gets to be the co-pilot, what happens? We're in charge. Not good. What happens here? Same thing. Uzziah. Zedekiah. Zedekiah is his accountability partner. He listens to him. And as he listens to him, he's fruitful and he's successful. But when, as it's implied here, Zedekiah dies, stops listening. And one day he says, look at this place, man. I am rocking, baby. This is going all in the right way. I think God really needs me. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to lead worship. And he gets there, and this is the brave thing, his other accountability partner for the moment, Azariah says, oh, king, this is not good. 
Don't you understand that what you're about to do is a grievous sin against God? Because way back in the times of Aaron, there's other people that messed around with that incense thing and they died. Not good. Learn from your past, O king. And what does Ozai do? He goes all Bobby Knight. Or, or Alec Baldwin towards his kids, right? He's picking up things and he threw it one of them all. Scared you, right? Of course, that would have been a good lawsuit. <laughs> but he's going crazy. He's going nuts. He's, what are you guys talking about? Come on, me? You talking to me? Huh? You talking to me? And he's walking around like that. And what happens in the midst of all that? Well, he's in the midst of his pride. Bam! Leprosy breaks out. All over him. Let's read it again. Uzziah had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense. He became angry. He is raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Foolish man. And here's why. Because when he came in and he had this incense and he said, you know what, dudes? I'm going to lead worship today. Ezra says, no, king, this is not good. Please don't do this. He had a moment right then and there where he could have said, you know what? You're right. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm sorry. I blew it. I sinned. Filled with pride, and I'm going to leave. But instead, he goes ballistic, and he's angry. Let me say something about accountability. Because I know one of the things as we're starting our dig groups, and at Harvest we've been talking about accountability for years. Accountability does not work. It is not a cure-all. We have seen three kings, family, who had accountability. I'll give you a fourth king, King David. So he's looking over, and he's seeing Bathsheba, and he says, who is that girl? Man, is she hot. <laughs> One of his counselors says, oh, hey, uh, isn't that your best friend's wife? It's accountability right there. What did he say? He said, oh, man, I shouldn't have looked. Sorry. Walk away. No, he said, you know, get her for me. Accountability does not work unless you listen to your accountability partner. And I've been in accountability groups where you sit down with people and you point something out and they go, you know what? It is different this time or I am different. Not learning from the past. Uzziah should have learned because he's supposed to read God's word that tells him don't mess with the incense. That's one of the king's job. Read through the scripture to remember God and his commandments. He forgot. He didn't learn from his, his past. And now his accountability are saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And he says, I'm going to do it. You don't tell me what to do. And he pays for it. So accountability does not work unless you're willing to. And you know why it doesn't work? It's because a lot of us are filled with pride. Don't you tell me how to do this. Who do you think you are? We're sitting in this group and I see your weaknesses and now you're telling me I'm not supposed to do this. It isn't going to work unless you're going to humble yourself and say, you know what? I could be wrong. I think it would have been really interesting if Uzziah, even if he would have been embarrassed, absolutely positively embarrassed. And a lot of us don't go to accountability groups because we're embarrassed of who we are. Come on, let's be serious. Why be embarrassed about that? We're all messed up. There's no one here that walks around and says, man, my life is perfect. We all struggle with something. And that's what pride does. It separates us not only from God, but from the people around us. 
And so these guys are screaming and shouting and he's going off and bam, God says enough is enough. You have crossed over the line, drew that little red line in the sand and he stepped over and bam, leprosy. If you want to prevent pride from gaining access to your heart, you have to have people who are around you, who are seeking God and people who you will listen to no matter what. Because when they say, hey, that person is not good for you, they mean it. Now, how many of you guys noticed in the news, I think it was about two weeks ago, uh, the uh, bride that was arrested for murder because she pushed her uh, husband off the cliff on the honeymoon. Okay, isn't the honeymoon supposed to be like, ooh, la la, this is awesome. Okay, so you're going out for this romantic walk and she goes, boop. Craziness. That man did not listen to his accountability partners. If you read that, <laughs> that wasn't intended to be funny either. <laughs> but he didn't. His friends told him, she's not good for you. Get out. Get out now. Run for the hills. And he said, no, man, you don't know her like I know her. He was wrong. He was wrong. And he paid for it with his life. Seriously, guys, I think this is an issue to harvest pride because a lot of us don't want to listen to what somebody else says. Listening doesn't always mean you're going to change in the sense that sometimes when somebody speaks something, they could be wrong, but you got to listen because they very well may be right. And if they are, it's costly not to listen because it's a statement on your part of pride pride and it's dangerous it's destructive it's destructive here three kings three family members did not listen to their accountability partners and each one of them paid the consequences let me ask you this do you have someone in your life who's an accountability partner who tells you what it's like, what it is, black and white, straight up, no junk. And do you listen to them? Because just having one isn't a pat on the back. But having one that you actually listen to and trust is crucial. Consequences. Point number three. Think about the consequences. Let's go back to verse 19. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Consequence number one, leprosy. What does the leprosy lead to? Isolation. It's going to happen. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him. They saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had inflicted him. Sorry, dude, it's a little too late. There is that point in time sometimes when we cross that red line. And God is merciful and gracious. And I don't know where that is. And I don't know how God always works because David got away with some things that I sit here and think he shouldn't have. And I see pastors today getting away with things that they shouldn't get away with, but they do. But there's a line sometimes. And when it's crossed, it's dangerous. But he finally realizes it. Well, the problem is this. Verse 21, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. 
boom. Ostracized. The man has leprosy. No one wants to go near him. He's isolated, living in his own apartment all by himself. But it gets worse because the great indignity happens when he dies. Look what happens. It goes on here. Slip down to verse 22. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his fathers and was buried near them in a field for burial that belonged to the kings. For the people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him. Here's the thing. He didn't get buried with the rest of the kings. He got buried in a family plot, which is cool, but not the coolest. It's like being a, a veteran and you have the opportunity to be buried in Arlington Memorial. But then you do something that is traitors to your country and they bury you somewhere outside. So you could be a Medal of Honor hero saving the lives of many. But when you blow that one thing, which is a scary thing, because isn't that the consequences? Think about it. It's true in sports, it's true in politics, it's true in life. People don't remember all the good things you did, they just remember how you finished. Right? And that's the consequences this guy's facing. Think of all the good things that he did. He brought victory upon victory in foreign policy. Domestically, the country's prosperous and growing, but what do they remember? That dude had leprosy, so he ain't going to get buried here, he's getting buried here. Think about the consequences before you do something. Slow down. Hey, I'm about to do this action. You know, sometimes you think, you know what? I am not happy. I'm getting out of this marriage. Think about the consequences. How does it affect your relationships? How does it affect children and children's children? Now, mind you, there are some. It works out well, but a vast majority, it doesn't. Think before you act. I'm going to date this person. I'm going to give my heart to this person. I'm going to let them know they're my everything. Dude, they're not good for you. Don't worry. My heart is in this. Think. Because the consequences that we face create a legacy. It's not just about you. It's about everyone that follows you. The cool thing is that his son Jotham will break this cycle. The trilogy is over and we have a new chapter. But the consequences are incredible. What a great loss. A man who, if he had just remembered his past, remember what happened to his grandfather, remember what happened to his father, and continued to seek God, would have been surrounded by a wall of blessing. But because he refused to listen to his accountability partners, the walls were broken down, and he went his own way, and he paid the price. It is not worth it. Pride is not good. James says what? God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's huge. If we're going to walk with God, we walk in humility. I need you, God. It's not the easiest thing to say in our culture because you're saying we need somebody. No, do it on your own, man. You don't need to watch your own back. No, it's I need you, God. And even if you have to say, God, I don't understand what you're doing or I don't agree with what you're doing, I need you. And that pride will destroy us because it separates us from God and it separates us from people around and we will experience consequences that are no fun whatsoever. This is what we learn from Uzziah. That God is opposed to the proud. 
but gives grace to the humble. Remember, while he sought God, grace, prosperity, blessing, not only for him, but for those around him. The moment he said, I'm large and I'm in charge was the end. Because now, instead of God surrounding him with grace, the walls fell and now God became his opponent. You cannot fight God. You may be able to do it for a while, but eventually it's a losing prospect. So what do we learn from this king? Well, we learned that we need to prevent pride from gaining access to our hearts. But I think there's another king. If you want to turn with me really quick to Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to end with this, that I think we need to learn from. <clears throat> Missed the old days when you heard everybody flipping their Bibles. Now you're all doing your... Here's the king we need to learn from. <clears throat> and as we're reading this, understand this is grace. And this is grace that changes lives, that changes relationships. Not always circumstances, but in our circumstances, there's grace for change. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others, spouse, parents, co-workers, neighbors, better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, which is good, look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The consequences of this action? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Prevent pride from gaining access to your heart. For the consequences, letting pride into your heart and your life is destruction. But the consequences of humbling yourself before him is prosperity and blessing. I'm not talking money. I'm not talking jobs. I'm talking God. That's what we learn. Humility is a much easier path to walk on in God's economy. So I want to encourage you today, as you look at our lives, myself, yourself, and you're looking at that areas of pride where you have begun to live without God, you have become independent of him and his help to stop. Even if you're not at that Uzziah raging storm moment, step back and say, God, thank you so much. I'm going to listen and I'm going to do it your way because my way is just going to lead to trouble. It could be a relationship you're thinking about. It could be trouble at home, whether it's family or kids or your parents or your siblings overall. But sit there and think, this is about Jesus. And I follow him, his ways. 
And that's where grace is. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.